Hi, and welcome to More Human, More Resources, the HR podcast for entrepreneurs. I'm Vicki Brown, your host and CEO of Vidominale Enterprises. As a serial entrepreneur, I understand that having the right expert help has been critical to my success. That's why I'm dedicated to telling you, in plain language, what's going on in the world of HR that might impact your business and what you need to do about it with real actionable tips to help you master that list of must-dos and grow your leadership muscle. First things first, the information contained in this podcast is provided for general purposes only and is not to be considered legal advice. Your decision to adopt or not adopt any practice or procedure mentioned in this podcast is solely yours and we bear no responsibility for the outcome. We urge you to always consult legal counsel and other appropriate licensed professionals. And with that, let's get into the show. You're listening to Season 1, Episode 2. In this week's episode, our question of the day is how can you measure the productivity of your remote team? But before we do a deep dive on that question, let's take a quick look at what's happening around the nation. In October, Pennsylvania's Pittsburgh and Allegheny counties joined the city of Pittsburgh in passing the Creating a Respectful and Open Workplace for Natural Hair Act, otherwise known as the Crown Act. A number of states such as California, Washington, New York, New Jersey, Virginia, Maryland, and Colorado have already adopted similar protections from discrimination based on hairstyles that are associated with race, including braids, locks, and twists. Allegheny County's Crown Act also specifically notes styles associated with gender, gender identity or expression, sexual orientation, or religion. The new laws protect individuals from discrimination in employment, housing, and public accommodation. So, as an employer, what are your next steps? Well, first up, check to see if your state or city has outlined similar employee protections. Next, review your policies, particularly if you have a dress code policy. Next, make sure that you've trained all managers and frontline personnel so that they can uphold your updated policies. And when you're updating your policy, here are some thoughts to keep in mind. Don't explicitly prohibit wearing locks, twists, braids, cornrows, natural hair, or other protective hairstyles. Do not require females to wear skirts or dresses. Don't require one gender or another to wear a uniform. Don't ban transgender employees from dressing or appearing as the gender with which they identify. Carefully consider before you require employees to be clean shaven. That might discriminate based on religion. Carefully consider before you require employees to cover tattoos and or remove piercings. Again, that might discriminate based on religion. Don't require that hair be worn short. Again, that might be a religion-based discrimination. And finally, don't have a dress code that's based solely on gender. One dress code for women and one for men. That may violate gender identity and expression protections. Meanwhile, in California, the California Family Rights Act, or CFRA, has many of the same employee benefits as the National Family Medical Leave Act, FMLA. Eligible employees can take up to 12 weeks of unpaid time to care for themselves or ill family members. 
However, effective January 1st, the eligibility guidelines for the CFRA are dramatically changing. California has expanded the list of eligible employers to include companies with five or more employees versus the 50 or more employee limit under the prior version of the law. Additionally, the reasons for taking the leave have been extended. The list of family members now includes grandparents, grandchildren, and siblings. So, what are your next steps? If you're in the new eligibility range of 5 to 49 employees, make sure you understand the new leave guidelines. Update and revise your policies and your handbook as necessary. Also, make sure you have the proper notices, documents, and posters. Revise your leave administration procedures and policies, and don't forget to train your managers and supervisors on these new employee protections. On the opposite coast, Maine has published the final rules for the new paid leave law, which becomes effective January 1st. Generally, any employer with more than 10 employees must provide paid time off. Employees will earn one hour of paid leave for every 40 hours they work to a maximum of 40 hours in a defined year. The time off can be used for any reason and must be paid at the employee's regular rate of pay, including bonuses and commissions. The new law applies to all classes of employees such as full-time, part-time, and temporary workers. So your next steps. Formulate time off policies to comply with the new requirements. Establish systems to accrue and track proper time off balances and update posters and notices. And just a final note on all the new legal updates. Be sure to get help from legal counsel or an HR professional before you try tackling updating any policies or procedures. Now on to the question of the day. How do I know my remote team is actually working instead of watching YouTube all day? I'm getting that question all the time now as more and more companies are trying to figure out how to manage remote teams. The first thing I say to managers who ask me that question is you're going to have to change both your attitude and management style. Now, I know most people don't like hearing that as the first thing coming out of my mouth, but it's the truth. You're going to have to change from what I call visual management to measurement management. That means stop relying on seeing someone spending time in the chair, being busy talking on the phone, filing, working on their computer. I know it gives us a feeling of comfort that they're spending their time productively, but the flaw in our thinking is that just because someone is spending time being busy, it doesn't mean they're being productive. There is a difference. But once you shift to measurement management, you'll find it's much clearer and easier to figure out who is actually moving the ball forward and who's just marching in place. There are four elements to a successful measurement management style. First, create a results-oriented culture. So what does that mean? Well, place a high value on achieving results versus just spending time on a task or valuing process over output. So generally, this will align nicely with your client's viewpoint too. They aren't focused on the how. The only thing of importance to them is that they get high quality output in a timely manner. 
Now, I'm not saying abandon all thoughts of process or quality control. In fact, you'll find that to consistently get outstanding results, your underlying process is key. But I am saying do make output the only thing or the primary thing you measure. And speaking of measuring, how do you measure results? Well, by setting clear expectations and objectives and providing frequent feedback. So what product or project outcomes are you looking for? We'll write those down. What are the key performance indicators for each project? Key performance indicators or KPIs are used to track the progress of a plan. A good KPI has a measure, a target, a data source, and a reporting cadence. For instance, number of new clients engaged each measurement period is an example of a KPI. Another one is time to fulfill an order or monthly website traffic. Those are all examples of KPIs. Next up, build trust. You build trust by being consistent. If you're implementing a measurement management style, you can't be wishy-washy. Once you commit to and communicate managing against output, don't go back and start evaluating team members around how much time you feel they're working. You can't really have it both ways. If you're going to tell a remote team member that you're evaluating their productivity by output, but then you tell them you're going to randomly pop in on their camera or use some tech tool to monitor their behavior in some way, then you're sending mixed messages and you definitely aren't building trust. Either you are relying on output or you aren't. But again, you can't have it both ways. Now, as you know, I'm the HR lady, so of course I'm not advocating that we do away with time cards or anything like that. After all, our laws still say we pay non-exempt workers for each hour worked, but that's just a measure of determining base pay. We're talking about measuring performance and productivity, and for that, a measurement management framework is the best way to go, particularly for remote workers. You'll also need to make sure you're communicating clearly and often. Schedule daily, weekly, or bi-weekly check-ins to discuss progress and talk about if there's a need to tweak anything. Communication will be a bedrock of the whole framework. You'll need to communicate honestly and be open about accepting feedback and have a collaboration mindset. All that is going to be necessary for this management style to work. To be honest, it takes a fair amount of mental work on the part of the manager. And finally, a great tech tool or two will certainly make all the difference in the world. There are a slew of productivity applications like Asana, Trello, ClickUp, to name just a few. We use Asana and I love it, but find one that's right for you and your needs. Dealing effectively with a remote team really will take a change in your thinking and how you approach managing. But that's a good thing. And you'll probably find, as I did, that these techniques are just as valuable with an on-site team. So actually, it's a win-win situation. If you found this information helpful, please leave a review and tell a friend. Thanks for spending the time. Until next week, same time, same place.